Hello and welcome to Attention to Detail, the podcast for D's fans, by D's fans, as we hold on for dear life aboard the rollercoaster ride that is barracking for the Melbourne Football Club. This episode is proudly brought to you by our sponsors, Hopin Brewing and Valley Electrical Group. My name is Tim Simo. Welcome, mate. We're 10-0. The D's, the NAM Footy Club, got their first win against a really valiant North Melbourne on Saturday afternoon, or twilight as it was, but we ended up to uh, yeah run it out with a 47-point victory. But it was a tight contest for about three quarters until we kind of blazed away in that last quarter. Yeah, 100%, mate. It's Well, you know, thanks for having me on, as always. Yeah, a bit of an interesting game. I, I didn't actually think North would do that well. I was really, really surprised by, you know, how they're doing. And hopefully, you know, for their sake, they continue to go on and challenge a few sides that are contending with us. It was, yeah, it was a game where... I think we just had to get the job done. I think it's you know pretty straightforward across the year, and you know we're able to do that, which was exciting to see. A few players really still hitting the scoreboard. You know, Fred knocking down with three, Cosy another two, so he's starting to get the game rolling on, which is pretty nice. Puts us now two games clear on top of the ladder. Uh, some interesting results today with Hawthorne knocking off Brisbane down in Tasmania, and then Pies beating Freo as well too over in over at Optus Stadium. So. Kind of a couple of results falling our way in that sense, and we're we're two games on top with 161 percentage. It's looking pretty healthy at the moment. We're yeah, kind of in uncharted territory for the ten and zip part of things. Now I know we've done that at one point, and I was trying to find the stat. It was very hard to find yeah. something around the 56. 60s. I think it was 56. 56 was it the last one we went to? So yeah, that's a pretty nice position to be to be in. But it's also really reassuring to hear from the coach that again they're they're not getting caught too much in the hype it's an achievement but they're sort of embracing the moment and then moving on because yeah it's it's a marathon season we're sort of almost reaching the halfway point and there's still a lot of footy to be played and yeah a lot of improvements to be made as well too which which is really exciting for a team like us that is doing so well. Uh, what else happened? We had oh, Langdon going down with an injury almost five, six minutes into the first quarter. Yeah, so a big tackle from Taron Thomas, which kind of looked like a rugby tackle. He was sort of caught up in the air a bit, got paid a free kick. Certainly, I don't think it's anything to worry about from the MRO point of view. I haven't seen whether that information's come out tonight or not, but yeah. yeah. I don't know. That I mean, to me, that was a bloody ripping tackle, obviously, just... I suppose the look of the game, I mean, you know, obviously he's bringing in that rugby sort of style. But <laughs> really? Yeah, yeah, I don't know. To be honest, I didn't have a problem with it. So, yeah. yeah. No, um, no, that's it. The only thing I think that the commentators, and we, we whinged about this last week, and the commentators sort of talked about the injury side of things, and that is taken into account. And coming off last week when we were discussing the Liam Ryan incident, I mean, far out, you look at those things where Cade Chandler gets two weeks, and if- I don't... I don't disagree with that. Like, it was really unfortunate the way it happened. There's actually some interesting footage seeing it from the angles and how that he did try to turn him. And it was almost uh, almost textbook in terms of tackling technique. And you really feel for Chandler as well. But then for Liam Ryan only to get the one match for his incident there with Bowie, 
again, I think that they're really placing too much emphasis on adjudicating the outcome and rather the intent. I don't know. What do you reckon? Yeah, it's one of those gray areas where I think it's it's so disjointed. I think, you know, like you're saying, pretty much was a perfect tackle. And you, you do look at the angles where they he did try and turn him, but it's just the momentum which Foley was trying to get rid of the footy. It's yeah. just, yeah, it's just one of those things. But as you, as you say, you know, Liam Ryan, chose to bump and you know obviously you know lucky for Bowie's you know sake that he wasn't injured from that so yeah it's one of those things mate and I think you know we'll be here all night if we keep going on yeah, it, I oh no. yeah no, it's one no. of those revolving doors where you you keep going but yeah. let's talk about something awesome that happened as well which is actually kind of you know pretty crazy to think Ben Browns plays 150th against North he debuted against Melbourne and then he plays first game for Melbourne against North. Melbourne. So <laughs> yeah, bit of a merry-go-round there, but um, I thought Benny Brown was all right. I, I yeah. don't think he dominated, but interesting with Benny Brown. I think, yeah, he's just one of those players that we just have to have. You talk about the defensive game side of things and everything. And uh, we get North Melbourne eight goals. Uh, another team under, you know, under the 10 goal mark, that 15 a quarter sort of drive we have as a defensive force. So another tick in my opinion, and we were able to hit kick 100 points. So yes, lower ranked North Melbourne, but another tick for our defense. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And it came down to I think halfway through the third, they were sitting on 45 points. And you know, I think there's Nick Rewalt talking about how Melbourne averaged 59 points against this season so far, and North at that stage were paced to to eclipse that. But yeah. I mean, we'll talk more about it later, but that last quarter, and well, really the last 10 minutes of the third quarter and then moving into the last, we just put the clamps on. Last thing I want to touch on as well too, the long sleeves, like the Indigenous jerseys look fantastic. Uh, you know, fantastic design, really, really great. However, a few extra long sleeves out there on Saturday afternoon, a couple of unfamiliar faces donning one, including our captain in Maxi, who, yeah, looked at, looked a little bit strange in one. And, and then T-Mac as well too. Yeah. Saw... <laughs> he ended up changing, didn't he? He ended yeah. up changing in the end. Oh, he probably did. Half yeah, yeah, after yeah, he yeah. came off, he was hobbling around. and I'm not, I'm not sure exactly what that was for. But, yeah, he did change change out of it. But, yeah, <laughs> an interesting look there. I think they just, I think Goody said in the press conference afterwards that, yeah, they really loved the designs, but I think they only had five long sleeves. So, you're looking at T-Mac, Langdon, Max, and I think Jaden Hunt. I was trying to look back through the through the replay and trying to see him. He's obviously wears one week in, week out. So there's four out of five jerseys that would have been made. But yeah, what a what a fantastic occasion as well too. And it's nice that they're spanning it over the two weeks as they have the last couple of years. But credit to Melbourne again, bodying the Indigenous culture and, and really embracing that by rebranding as NAM. And yeah, it was just a nice touch to kind of see it on, on the scoreboard as well too and, and really sort of see that the media's gone to the effort of making sure that they're referring to NAM in their articles and everything like that. So no, some pretty outstanding stuff by the club and who are very well represented um, by an Indigenous, by Indigenous players as well too. So looking forward to seeing that continue on for next week as well. All right, Simo, well, plenty of things to love about the game, and we're going to chat about that in our next segment. Credit to the boys. Back into the game, so uh, it's real credit to the boys. Um, I think it was on uh, all of us to step up and, and you know, really lead from the front, and I thought we did that all day, so. We want to play our way. Just go after the boys. Come on, all right, Simo, big game. Pretty big contest for three quarters until we blazed away. But yeah, lots of things to love there. What was the first thing that jumped out for you, mate? 
It'd have to be our dominant midfielder, and that is Clayton Oliver. Clayton Oliver, almost, I genuinely thought it was him against their midfield. I mean, Petrarca played pretty well too, but he's had a career high, 45 touches. To go with that, 13 clearances, which is huge. 621 metres gained, 22 contested posies, mate. And the 13 inside 50s. It's, it's a game where he just, I'll just say, took the piss. <laughs> um, I actually spewed I didn't have him as captain in Supercoach. He could have been 178 or something. So, you know, I could, I could tell just based on, you know, what's happened with North Melbourne, I kind of let midfielders get off the chain and he, he got a real sniff of it. And, yeah, I'm surprised no one went to him. So, yeah, yeah. real. And the fact that he's 24, mate, that's, that's scary for the competition that he's, you know, just going to add layers to his game, which is, you know, exceptional. And, you know, the fact that if he's getting tagged out of a game, we've got Petrarca to just explode. It's, yeah, it's a big threat for the competition. Absolutely. I think the fact that we were missing Viney and Harms, which were both pretty crucial cogs, and Viney coming off his best game, well, I think a, a fantastic game last week. We sort of know how important he is to that midfield. Clary sort of certainly took upon himself to kind of step up as well too. And I think Petrarca ended up with the 30 touches, but Oliver just from the first bounce was yeah in and under just doing everything inside he's just amazes me how much he can do inside and still have you know the pace and explosion to move the ball at every instance i think the clearances was really big because clearances was something even we lost the hit outs i think the ruck work probably was something that you know we had a couple of nice moments but i wouldn't say it was some pretty formidable opponents in well goldstein when we know his reputation and his career and then you had Tristan Zeri as well too come in as well to to combat that dual ruck with Jackson and Gorn and Jackson had a really nice sort of first half as well too for Clary to really sort of get on top of clearances early and yeah kind of set the bar there a big reason for why we're so dominant going inside 50 as well too you look at the inside 50 count there going in over 70 odd times and for him he was responsible for 13 of those I think Goody was talking about it in the press conference that you know, he's been doing this since he day one, stepping Started, into the club. Yeah. Jason Taylor, you know, something that they highlighted of just his ability to be able to win the ball and and being able to be polished but also do all the dirty work inside and he's just being able to grow and grow in his six years at the club so far and you know, what your prime's anywhere between now and tw- you know, twenty five, twenty six, twenty seven. So he's still technically from an age bracket, not even in his Advanced, proper prime yet. Like it's just crazy. But yeah, I think took the piss is pretty much pretty much sums it all up. Yeah, hundred percent agree. And I think it's not only that, it's his defensive pressure too. He's able to have the six tackles as well. And I think the biggest thing we really noticed about Clary, I think there was a few years, well definitely probably his first three or four years where he just probably handballed to a person probably in a worse position. But now he's really exploding. Um and we're getting real value out of more, he kicks more now, but then, you know, his release handballs, all those one-twos, you know, it just, you know, spreads spreads the opposition's defence and, you know, we get some momentum going forward, as you see with those 13 inside 50s. Yeah, that's right. And it might not be the cleanest kick or it might not be pinpoint accuracy at times, but he's just able to, you know, play that territory footy. He knows, he sort of senses the moment and being able to, yeah, push the ball forward whenever he needs, whether he's in, you know, the defensive half and just needs to clear the ball or whether he just needs to put it inside 50. And he, he does. He just seems like he has so much time around him when he has the ball. Almost just, I, I can't remember the last time he's been pinged for holding the ball. It's uh, <laughs> it's something you don't see very rarely. The biggest thing for me 
was probably given that the whole game was such a contest, but the fourth quarter and really the back end of the third quarter, our four pressure just really kicked up another notch. We talk about flipping the switch, but being able to really lock that ball in, and especially in the last quarter, keeping it in there for 65% of the game time there in that sense. We kicked the last six goals of the game. You're looking at the tackles inside 50. We got 23 for the game. I'm not quite sure how many was that in the last quarter, but we averaged 12 just to tick over 12 and a half for the year. So to nearly double that, we know how much our small forwards bring that pressure, but you could just feel it was elevated there and able to kick the four goals to, I think, one behind in that last quarter. Just really managed to, yeah, put the squeeze on. I think the inside 50s there was 17 to two in the last quarter there for the D. So the ball barely spent any time in, the, in North Melbourne's half, and it was just great to see, you know, Cozzy, I think it was a couple of intercepts as well too. I think Fritch also got a goal off an intercept, which is something that the Ds don't do very much from forward half intercepts. And so, yeah, great to see that. We know what our fleet is is renowned for, but to see them really kind of excel there and, and really put the clamps on, I thought was super pleasing. It was very much like 2021, D's footy, I think that that real stranglehold, especially from our forwards to really keep it into our forward half, I think that really shown. And yeah, I think we have been a little bit down in that area this year. I think you know, but it, it does elevate you know when the going gets tough or when we're ready to flick the switch. I think that's when it really shows. But yeah, to have twenty three tackles inside fifty, it's pretty, you know, pretty unrelenting. And look to go with that. Who who made Bailey Fridge angry? Where did that come from? He's, he's not been angry all year. And he comes out and he looked like he just wanted to just absolutely smash the bike, which he did. Amazing to see. Because I remember early in the year, I was like, Bailey Fritch, he doesn't tackle. How many tackles he had in the first three weeks? I don't reckon. He probably laid no. one. Yeah. Now, he's, know. you know, he had three on the weekend, which is, you know, would have blitzed his average. So, yeah, he must have got a firecracker up his ass because he was, yeah, he was an angry man. You know what would have made him angry? Was Petrarca's really crap kick to him before that because <laughs> he had pretty much an open forward line and track completely like just miscommunication somewhere. And, and yeah, luckily for Frida that he was managed to sort of clean up that mess and, and earn himself a free kick there. But yeah, I think you're right. It's, it's something, a part of his game that hasn't been... A strength of his and it's yeah hopefully it's something that building towards that he's got such i suppose such a collective of these really vicious small forwards around him he's, he's going to be somebody he's got great people around to sort of help him do that so it'd be pretty good incentive and hopefully motivating for him to continue to work on his defensive efforts and yeah it's it has probably been a bit of a slide in him at times but the fact that he's able to do that get his reward and, and yeah get it get a handy three goals too as well too for himself I think was was kind of just capped it all off, but no, our, our full pressure really allowed us to kind of open up the floodgates and and put put the scoreboard pressure on to blow it out to that forty seven points because really at the end of the day, yeah, the way that North played, I think he could have come away with a twenty six point win and it probably would have been fair in terms of the contest that North brought. So for the majority of the game, if you average that out. Yeah, definitely. I think we need to talk about as well, just to move on to the next thing, is definitely the the new faces in the midfield. Obviously, Dunson has had a couple of cracks at it this year, but, you know, probably Sparrow getting a little bit more time in there really to, you know, relish on the whole that Viney leaves. I, th- I thought he was pretty unreal. I thought, you know, to have 22, seven clearances, but not only that, he was, you know, you, you said a few things last week about, you know, getting taken hold of the ball, et cetera, but I just thought in tight he was really clean and, you know, that really shone. 
And to go with him, you know, talking just about Dunson to said, I thought, you know, he set the tone as well. He was, you know, been able to get his hands on the ball early and, you know, flow into the game. And yeah, I thought he was pretty good. Yeah, I think some of Dunstan's early disposal work, I think, you know, missed a few handball targets. And I think that's something that's going to build upon as he plays more games with these with these players, like to get used to our club system. And he's had some really strong VFL form and no doubt he's a ball winner. He was when he was at St Kilda. And that's why he brought him to the club, to be able to step into this sort of role when we have an injury. He's probably not in our best 22, but it's, geez, it's a great depth piece to have. And yeah, I think his first quarter, yeah, a couple of really, really notable misses in terms of his handballs. But then there was one point, I think it was in the third quarter, where he just his footwork. And I think you pointed this out a couple of weeks ago that you're kind of surprised about his kicking. He had this yeah great moment from halfback where I think he almost looked to sort of short kick it into the corridor, but then kind of adjusted late. Found Ben Brown sort of out in the open there, managed to kick it to him, who then Benny Brown then found Bedford uh, running into an open goal. So, yeah, a couple of really sort of yeah intelligent things there. And I think the more games that he plays, he's just going to build that cohesion with the rest of the players. And look, wouldn't be, you know, would, would love for him to get more opportunity there. You'd hate to think that it comes at the expense of somebody's health and, and an injury. Uh, but that's unfortunately, that's what footy is. So, to have him there in waiting in the wings, I think is is a pretty handy piece. So no, I think I think he sort of worked on it well. And yeah, touching what you said about Sparrow again, like he, he with Viney missing again, and I think this has proven to be pretty evident in the past where Viney's kind of you know Viney's missed a game or two. Sparrow's really kind of lifted lifted his intensity and, and kind of really stepped up to the plate to try and take some of that uh, that workload on board. So I think that, yeah, you're right. He was really clean and nice to see him get on the end of a good goal as well too. I think the next thing too, we just need a label on, which you kind of have already, but this would be really mindful of our forwards really, you know, being able to hit the scoreboard and have some impact, especially, you know, T-Mac, Frida, Cozzi. I mean, they don't need much of an opportunity to hit the scoreboard. Do you think, wow. Tom McDonald's actually kicked 11 in the last four. You know, Cozzy, eight in the last three. It's well, Fred is probably the biggest one to think, when the hell did he kick two goals? You know, he, he just bobs up. I think, you know, he's just one of those players that doesn't need much space and he will impact the game. I mean, you know, go back to the grand final where he's kicked six and just dominated. Like, you know, if a team just laxes off him, you know, he's going to have that impact where, you know, he's going to be standing out that little bit more. Yeah. And again, it's just that potent forward line now. We've got so many different options, so many so many players that can really stand up and kick those three or four goals that can easily be the difference in the game. McDonald, we've been, you know, heaping his praises the last few weeks. It's great to see him, you know, get some consistency on the scoreboard. And I think that's, we've talked about the debate many times with Weeds, but the fact that T-Mac is continuing to kick goals is keeping him in the side and he's still doing some good things with the ball as well too. So great to see him with that. And yeah, Pickett as well too. Like he didn't get the 20 touches that he had last week, but I mean, to have the seven touches, six tackles again, you know, last night and then having yeah, the two goals as well too. He's just such a special player and for him to be able to stand up in this round that is so yeah, so important to him, it's, it's his culture, it's his heritage. 
I loved that uh, that goal where he just you know grabbed at the jumper and and really sort of saluted to that. So you know he would feel like that this is a really moment, big moment for him to shine. And yeah, such an exciting young player to see him to continue to build some consistency those last few weeks. And you mentioned earlier as well too, getting some reward on the scoreboard. I mean that's that's bonus points for him. That's not his priority for his role, but you know he enjoys a goal. <laughs> so yeah, that running goal, like the, that handball chain that he had, sort of from Oliver to Sparrow to Jackson, who who just again like Jackson had a fantastic first half, but yeah, he just had that really intelligent moment to hold it up a minute, and then had enough time then to find Pickett then to run into that goal. So no, I loved our forwards work, and yeah. I can't see any changes coming to the forwards over the next couple of weeks, barring injuries. All right, Simo, well, it's the... <laughs> All right, what's this, take three? We've talked about the things that we loved about the game. Now it's to talk about the things that we're <laughs> not so happy about in our next segment. Pretty pissed off. This one's staying in the pot as well. So. <laughs> pretty, I'm, pretty pissed, I'm pretty pissed off still. Um, it's not good enough. It's very unlike the way we've been playing and something that we'll obviously review and get better at. Uh, yeah, it's not, it's not good enough today. Um, this team, this club's got to start winning games. What are you pissed off about, Timothy? <laughs> oh, look, there wasn't a lot to be pissed off about. North played well. You can't take really anything away from them. I think from Melbourne's point of view, our forward half connection just seemed a little bit off. It certainly wasn't at our best. Just some of the inside kicks there. There's a bit of a lack of communication between our forwards and our mids. And yeah, that could be something that we've tied it up. I sort of mentioned earlier about Petrarca's kick into Fritch, and that happened on a couple of occasions as well too. So if you think about the amount of times we went inside 50, you look 74, and then we ran at 40% efficiency. So you're sort of scoring at a pretty poor rate. And I think, yeah, if we being that little bit more efficient and being able to convert a little bit more on those shots or being able to find our target, the game's probably not hanging in the balance for so long to think that we had that sort of dominance with the ball inside. So, yeah, something small. They'll go back and look at it and they'll fix it up, but it hasn't been a trend this year. You know, it's been a trend in previous seasons. It's not something that we've really seen this year. We've sort of seen, yeah, some pretty... We've got, you know, Spargo, Neil Bullen... Petrarca and Oliver, who constantly put the ball inside 50, and you're thinking about Spargo, who re-signed, by the way. We forgot to mention that earlier. Spargo, you know, I think in the competition, second most marks inside 50 from his kicks. So you think about efficiency, that's something that we pride ourselves on. So against probably a bottom-ranked side, it's probably a little bit disappointing, but the sheer dominance of the inside 50s kind of tells a different story. So... That's like the perfect segue to why I'm pissed off about this game. And like, yes, we've had the 74 inside 50s, but who are we kicking it to? We're kicking shallow entries, which are only just going in. Or like you were saying before, you know, we're kicking it almost to the goal line where it's easy to be spoiled, you know, able for them to reset as a defensive cog. Like the fact that we actually made Josh Walker look like an AFL footballer (laughs) baffled me. And Aiden Core as well. Aiden Core had 29 posies. Like, I don't know how many of those were kick outs, but for fruit save. Like, <laughs> that, like, <laughs> Josh Walker, this is a bloke that got 10 goals kicked on him last year. Mate. And who the kicked, fact that. Who kicked the 10 on him? Josh Bruce. Yeah. And the fact that I don't even know how he's still in the AFL, but for him to play the way he did, I don't, I don't know. He must have been, I don't know, decided we wanted to kick to him instead. But. <laughs> Yeah, wouldn't he's, have been, he's a hack. He's an absolute hack. But yeah, he, he wouldn't have been at the club when Ben Brown was there, would he? He would have been. He was. Do you reckon? 
And no the fact that <laughs> fact that I actually wrapped up Ben Brown before. <laughs> I mean, Ben Brown still like I mean, he did do some good things, but you know, Josh Walker kept him goalless when yeah, obviously he's leaked a few goals. Well, no, in your mind, you said he kicked two goals, so no, maybe he did something. Yeah, maybe my <laughs> mind was elsewhere. Josh Walker, uh, yeah, it, it, it amazes me. <laughs> We sort of briefly talked about Langdon's injury. I think it'd be, yeah, good you said, sending off for scans. Kind of seems to think that there'd be probably a break, at least, you know, a rib, which is disappointing that he'll probably miss at least one to two weeks, maybe at best. I don't know, broken ribs. I know that players can kind of bounce back from those reasonably quickly, but again, it's about how he sort of recovers. And we've we've got people that can go back there. I mean, look, you know, is this a perfect sort of segue for... his club. For, yeah, well, for Gus to come back because Salem, if Salem, Salem's, Salem's on the, you know, on the prowl and, and sort of starting to get back into training. And in case he had a buy this week, so he sort of couldn't come via VFL there. But, yeah, I don't know. Disappointing to see him, and especially in the first, so early in the game, too, like it was first five, six minutes. So... Hopefully we can see him come back and just do his best because he yeah, kicked a ripper goal after that free kick as well too, which is great and always good for a goal game. Maxi, I think we were all probably a little bit surprised that he went to Perth last week, just given his knee scan. Like we chatted about it, I think the previous week where we sort of thought, mm, is this a good opportunity playing the two bottom sides the next two weeks to give him a, at least one week off? And now. Being the captain and being the persona that he is, the the figure and you know his personality, he doesn't want to be the one that's like resting or or managed. But reality is now Goldstein has always had some great battles with Max over over the journey, and I think that that's probably part of the reason. But I just think that Max probably looked a little bit less nimble out there and a little bit slow at times. He just didn't quite get into the game. I think just his mobility just seemed to be slightly off, maybe with some tired legs. Or is it time for Maxi to maybe have a break? I mean, I feel like we've missed this golden opportunity because, yeah, we've got some really important tests coming up. But do you think that he was going to get a break in the next few weeks before the buy, or does he just try and push through the buy? How can you push it through? It's one of those things. I mean. I hate to say this, but long sleeves on Maxi Gorn need to change. Back to the short <laughs> sleeves. Um, I don't know about Maxi. I don't know he's sort of been, yeah, he's been a little bit off, but, you know, I think he's just, yeah, going through the motions a bit. But, you know, he could be just a little bit worn out, which, you know, hopefully gets a chance to, you know, to work through it. Uh, Seven-day break. I mean, you know, it's still enough time to get himself right. Coming up against Sean Darcy on the weekend. So, mm. you now be... Yeah, coming up against Another big yeah, one of the better one of the better ruckmen in the competition. To yeah, he's a big boy, Sean Darcy. Yeah. So we definitely need him in for that that game just to yeah to push another contender to the side, which would be nice. But also, like Maxi mixed a couple of his trademark you know fifty meter goals as well too. You can see he was absolutely kicking himself that he would missed those two gettable ones, and then he managed to get one late in the last quarter as well, uh, third quarter as well too. So much closer in, which is which is more of the one that we're used to Maxi spraying out on the full from about <laughs> twenty out, you know, on a slight angle. So he was very happy when that one sort of went through. But yeah, now look again. I think Goldstein is a great matchup for him and Goldstein's able to roam around the ground and, and Goldie played pretty well as well too. So not taking anything away from his game, I just think from yeah, from the eye test, from what I saw, I think that, yeah, maybe just looked a little bit off at times. But no, you're right. I think 
getting through to the bye will be his priority and, and hopefully that week's rest will just allow him to sort of rejuvenate and, and hopefully that knee isn't, you know, that issue isn't something that kind of flares up later in the season uh, when, you know, the business end really starts to starts to come up. And, yeah, was, that, was there anything else? I think... I think yeah. to go with this, mate, because you, you've got written down there, obviously, well, Angus Brayshaw had a pretty quiet game on the weekend and... Gee, I don't know. Maybe it's something that's happened on Gus and Gorning in the last two weeks. What are, what have they been doing? <laughs> I don't what know. They've been doing to each other because uh, they must be doing Nazim Hussain and yeah, I'm, I'm not sure who the other person was. I can't remember what the previous one was. Oh no, well, what's what's that? Oh, one? I'm just saying, you know, they must have done some challenges or something that you know exhausted them. Because yeah, as I said, Angus Brayshaw definitely was off, but yeah, probably got some attention, which made it a little oh, bit hard no for doubt. him to no doubt. Know, to. You know, intercept and to you know, have an impact, but I thought yeah, Gus Brayshaw got beaten up a bit actually. He was um, he got knocked down a few times, and yeah, going from averaging you know nine marks a season to yeah not having much of an impact on the game, which was you know we're used to now with Gus Brayshaw yeah. going back and everything. It's yeah, it could be the time with Langdon, you know, Langdon going out to redeploy him across the across the wing and you know potentially see Salem back, which would be you know, a great inclusion. Yeah. Oh, look, we'll see what happens. His second half was certainly better. Like he had, he had took his first mark just inside the you know the, the opening minutes of the third quarter. So he was kind of non-existent. I'd say in that first quarter, he didn't really touch the ball at all, and yeah, had a really quiet half. But I wouldn't be surprised. Like North Melbourne might have gone with a game plan against him, and I mean he's he's been such a damaging player for us over the last sort of six weeks. You know, in all Australian form, in a new position for him. So no doubt that he's garnered some attention from you know, the opposition and, and, yeah, they've put things in place to try and negate his influence on the game. So, yeah, not really pissed off about it, just something that we'd noticed and didn't really get a chance to touch on earlier. So, yeah, but no, that, that probably sums it up, I reckon. We've got the hop hen delightful display. Of hang on, hang on. Where's board. where's the introduction music? What? Where's the build up? I'm mate, here for the build up, mate. Mate, you're not getting the build up this week because <laughs> Rocky oh, Balboa didn't decide to walk into my house. Mate. <laughs> <laughs> Look, mate, it's it's good times. It's it's ten and 0 footy. It's yeah, we're gonna get that leaderboard out, mate. It's gonna be nice and tight at the end of the year. I'm gonna bounce. I'm gonna go straight away here. One vote goes to Jake Lever. I thought Jake Lever, his inset work was much better this this week. Yes, he only had the four marks, but um, I thought he patrolled the back line pretty well. Mate, you're reading my mind. I've got Lever down for one vote, and I just think that, yeah, playing playing into form, I think he's, he's starting to come Slightly, into it. And he had a really good moment in the third quarter, taking back-to-back intercept marks as well too. Uh, yeah, seven intercepts and using the ball at 93% off his 16 touches, seven contested. So... Yeah, no, really strong game by Lieber in, yeah, probably not a very heralded, heralded performance by others, but no, I certainly noticed it. Yeah, 100%. I think I thought mate was pretty down, so I think him stepping up in that degree was one thing as well. Uh, two votes goes to Tom Sparrow, uh, 27, uh, and also seven clearances. You look like with this, that look on your face, you look like I've taken it away <laughs> from you. Um, I thought, yeah, oh, Spaz no. stepping into the body role was perfect, and he's your, one of your love childs to go to Spark, <laughs> so apologies. Well, where is he? You've lost where's the plot, my, mate. Where's my story? <laughs> well, I'm looking for the Sparrow badge. 
Okay. What are you gonna? Well, what do you reckon people can see it? Oh yeah, yeah they can. I'll put it on the uh, put it on the video. There it is. Well, there you go. Two votes, Tom Sparrow. You said it all. Reasoning. <laughs> uh, three votes for me goes to Clary. I don't think it'd go past him. Goes to fire. Defies all my sort of you know kind of picking a player that you know kind of was swept under the rug. But I think you couldn't go past Clayton Oliver's forty five, which you know for him was a PB and. Yeah, let's just hope that springboards into next week and for the rest of the year. Well, this is a first, a first ever in in the history of our of our competition where we've had identical votes. No listeners, we haven't, we don't share these. So yeah, literally, and the Lever and Sparrow ones. Well, the Lever one probably threw me the most. The fact that you picked <laughs> up on that. So yeah, there you Especially go. Especially when I watch half a game. But, hey, shows shows how much we're uh, we're in tune. So amazing stuff. <laughs> I wonder if it'll happen again. People are only commenting on what they see, um, but internally, it's Fagazi. Can you do with your best uh, Matthew McConaughey impression from the water <laughs> No, I can't, but it's, uh, it goes something like Fagazi, it's Woozy, it's Wazi. <laughs> <laughs>All right, Simo. Well, we are the podcast for fans, by fans, and we wouldn't be here without our loyal listeners. And we're so excited tonight. We've got our second ever live Fugazi segment. We've got three people waiting to uh, yeah, give us their thoughts about the season and the game on the weekend. All right. And our first guest we have, Simo, is, well, we're very excited. We've got one half of the amazing duo down at Hop Hen Brewing. Jody has entered the waiting room. Let's see if she's there. Jodes. Hey, how are you? Hey, how are we going? Yeah, good. How are you guys? Yeah, we're going good. How are you loving the season so far? Are you keeping a lid on it or what's... (laughs) (laughs) Do you know, it's actually weird because for the first time, I feel like I can just relax and watch football. Like, it's been a very strange feeling. We've certainly said that, I think, yeah, numerous times this year as well too. It is. It's such a weird feeling. What's been your highlight of the season so far? What's... Anything that sort of sticks out? Um, I went Anzac Eve, and that was that was a good game, and it was nice to beat the Tigers. Yeah, so that was enjoyable, and the win against the Saints was good because I felt like that was a bit, I don't know, I was a bit nervous about that one. So that was nice to get that win too. What about the win against the Dons? <laughs> <laughs> I'm always a tiny bit conflicted. I hate to admit it, but. Yeah, it's nice. It's nice to get the win, but then there's always two unhappy members of the family. So, <laughs> <laughs> who do you think is our biggest you know, threat to us, and what we're trying to achieve this year? Yeah, Fremantle next week will be interesting. So, I don't know. Is it too much of a cliche to say let's just take it one week? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's that's my favorite. Po- that's my favorite segment of the podcast. <laughs> um, yeah, I, next week will be good. Will be a good game. I'm looking forward to it. So Carlton looked great. So I don't know. They've got some standouts at the moment, but uh, they don't get to play them until round good. 22. It's a yeah, long way. I know that's okay. I'm happy with that. We'll have cemented our spot in the finals by then. Quickly before we go, Jody, what's what's one bold prediction for the rest of the season? Anything that jumps <laughs> off your mind? Bold prediction. Bold prediction. Sparrow for. Club best and fairest. Ooh, I love it. <laughs> love it. We love Sparrow. He's, uh, yeah, he's, yeah, he's playing like a champ. He is. Well, Jody, we wish we could uh, keep you longer, but we've got a couple of people waiting on here to jump on. So thanks so much for jumping on. It's great to chat to you. Oh, 
Awesome. And hope everything's going well down at the brewery and make sure all of our listeners get down to hop in and have a cheeky beer or two and a pizza down in Lilydale. So, no, really appreciate your support and make sure you say hi to Mike and the rest of the crew down there. Will do. Thanks, guys. Keep up the good work. Thanks, Joe. See yeah, ya. All right. All right, Simo, we've got our next listener lined up. Next, we have Justin, and it looks like he's going to talk about Clayton Oliver and maybe a couple other things depending on how we go for time. So, <laughs> well, let's, uh, let's see if Justin's there. How are we? Very good. After a great win yesterday. Great win, absolutely. What was what was your take on on yesterday? I know you sort of got a couple of points that you wanted to make, but biggest thing that you took away from yesterday? Oh, just how good Clayton Oliver is, absolute star. I've always loved him as a player, but uh, some of the stuff that he does, so in in close, in tight, quick hands, um, generally effective, uh, just unbelievable. Yeah, we were just chatting before as well too, and I think his age still kind of baffles us as well to think that he's he's been there. He's, it feels like he's been there for, a, well, he's been there for a long time. He's been there for six years, but to only be 24 and spent six years in the system already and still have so much footy ahead of him, I think that's a scary prospect for the rest of the league, but really exciting for D supporters as well. Yeah, I think we probably have to remind ourselves of that. Um, that what he's 24-1-3 best and fairest, I think. Um, and he hasn't missed a game since 2017, start yeah. of 2017. I like just un- unbelievably consistent. Um, I think yesterday, Gorney said that he was getting tagged as well. You know, Greenwood Simkin, his, um, his best mate Simkin was tagging him. There was a <laughs> going on that I saw um, at a couple of stages. So, um, yeah, it was uh, just, just amazing how he can fight through that and, um, and still have a massive impact on the game. Um, quickly also you wanted to chat about the D small forwards and I suppose the success that they've been able to propel and, and how they've sort of had the impact on our side as well yeah I just think um, being able to get to the games this year has been awesome just to be able to really understand how hard they work um, and, and I think you know we have uh, we have sort of pot shots a little bit at uh, Nibbler and um, even Fritter over the journey um, you know Spargo to some degree and, and Cozzy um, when they're not kicking goals. And uh, I just think they're not in there. That's not their primary role. And Cozzy talks about it. Frida talked about it. I think I saw an article today about just focusing on his defensive efforts as as a primary focus. Um, and he got a hold in the ball and a uh, goal off, off that yesterday. So I think he would have been pretty pumped with that. But the amount of running they do, um, you know, when the opposition has the ball, they're all the way up to the um, our half back line. You know, and they're, they're small forwards forward pockets, half, half forward flanks. Um, you know, Nibbler's just behind Eddie Langdon in terms of the distance that he runs most games. Um, and he actually comes off, whereas Eddie Langdon doesn't. Yeah. So, you know, the the, the metres or kilometres per minute, um, Neil Bullen's got to be right up there. So I just think we, we probably underestimate how hard they work and how much they focus on the defensive side of things. Um, which it's, it's hard to tell unless you're at the game. And that's what I've really loved about the game, going to the games this year and uh, appreciating how hard they work. Yeah, exactly. You know, I think they really showcased on Fox footy where we're up against the Giants and most of our six forwards were all in the same picture and a quick kick out of the back line. And, you know, we just, it was just a sprint back to goal. And I think that's, you know, the mantra we, you know, we exhaust sides going back the other way, especially late in games mm. um, to really, you know, kill those, you know, those defenders off and yeah to get some reward on the scoreboard and that real team sort of you know team play mm. and I, i'm just fascinated about our our game style and um 
how it seems like Goody's just got to set up to absorb and just take everything the opposition can throw at us for as long as possible and the confidence that we have to just know that we'll get them eventually. It might be in the last 10 minutes of the game. It's been a lot in the third quarter this year. Um, but, you know, yesterday North were within, what, six points halfway through the third quarter. You get a couple of cheeky goals in the third quarter and you think, oh, you know, it could still, still be pretty tight. And then they kicked, what, three points or something in the last quarter. And yeah, it's, that it's was it. Score and you think, gee, that's a comfortable eight-goal win. But um, uh, that, that were pretty good for most of the day. And we were sort of doing enough. Um, but that just that confidence to keep going and knowing that they're going to break pretty much any team down, it's, uh, it's pretty amazing. Yeah, that's right. I think Jonesy said it a few weeks ago, talking about the damn wall. And it was a pretty good metaphor in, in terms of pretty much what Melbourne stand for. And I think a big part of that comes from the fitness side of things that Darren Burgess held, helped build. And now that he's departed and that sort of carried on, we I think we will always back ourselves in to outlast any team in the competition as it currently stands. And I think that, yeah, that just sort of shows that they know when to exert how much energy, you know, when they need to flip the switch or when they need to lift, they've just got that ability to sense the moment. Yeah. Justin, we really appreciate you jumping on, mate. We do have to let you go. We've got somebody else waiting in the wings, but um, thanks so much for jumping. It's great to hear your insights. And yeah, looking forward to uh, the rest of the D season. I'm sure we'll be hearing from you soon. No worries. Appreciate uh, getting on and uh, keep up the good work. Really enjoying the podcast, boys. Thanks, mate. Hey, All right, take days. care. All right, mate. Well, last one we've got for tonight is Simon. What did you say? Simon meet Simon. Yeah, that's Simon a good one. <laughs> we'll go with that. All right, let's see if he's there. How are you? Yeah, good. good. How are you going? Going well. Love the show. Love Jumping the show. on. Nah, thanks. Appreciate thanks, your support. Mate. That's great. Uh, yeah, interesting topic, mate. Um, thinking about whether we think a loss is too, you know, is it too far away? It's, yeah. What are, you, what are your thoughts on that? Whether you need to have a loss or not, that's something that's, I don't know. I, I just... The, the injuries are starting to test the depth a little bit now. So, and last fortnight or so, the form's been, well, a win's a win and uh, you take any win after the sort of the Melbourne Football Club history, but they've been a little bit rusty in the last few weeks and it's it's going to get a bit tougher. The next month or so, certainly the second half of the year is a lot tougher than the first half of the year with the with the fixtures they've got coming up and they've got to go into state a few times. So I don't know, do they, do they need a loss to sharpen up or I don't know, maybe I'm being too critical, but... You, uh, they've got the, there's 23, 23 is the record. You, I mean, it'd be a nice record to put away, but uh, gee, once they start getting into that second half of the year and they haven't had a loss, you're going to start, people are going to start saying they want one to just sharpen up just to, uh, just to get ready for finals. I think it's one of those things where we probably look like we're ready for the buy. I think just to, like you say, sharpen up, I think. So we've got the three games to go and then a buy. So yeah, like you're saying, it's a pretty tough, tough run. But I think honestly, the toughest run is where we, I think we play three or four interstate games in a row um, when we go across to, to Alice Springs. Um, that's going to be, that's going to be where it's going to test us big time, I think. And most games we've only needed to turn it on for even 15, 20 minutes. And that's uh, probably been enough to uh, get us over the line. And then even a few of them have sort of eased off towards the end, but it's going to get like, we've still got to play, we've still got to play Geelong in Geelong. It's not going to be easy. We've still got, we've got the Dockers in, we've got a, the MCG next week. I think we've got the Dockers away before the end of the year. We still play Brisbane twice, once at the Gabba. It's, mm. there's, there's, the, it's going to get tougher, but well, look, they, they look the best. They should, they should win most of them. I mean, two games clear on top. They're, they're going to be hard to knock off the top. 
Yeah, I, I don't know what I would rather. I think I'd probably rather drop one in the next few weeks. And I think even parallel to last year, when you think about we had that kind of like lapse in form, pretty much this time of the season. So lost to the Crows uh, and then had... Look, I, I can't remember off the top of my head, but we might have been two and two over the next four or something like that. We dropped. Yeah, we lost, I think we lost to Collingwood. And we drew with Hawthorne as well. Drew with yeah, Hawthorne, and then we had the we had the the, the, the last loss was the Bulldogs. Yeah, yeah, so and the way through. It might have been a month of footy where, yeah, I think you know the critics kind of came out to jump at us a little bit, and form was sort of questioned. But then there was a bit of talk at that time that they were in a uh, the training load was up a bit and stuff like that. So yeah. Know, they tape it off a little bit, but probably echo this a little bit what we sort of said tonight already. But I think again, the players have just known when to be able to lift, and they've just been able to find find a spark when they need to. And and as you mentioned, it might only take 15, 20 minutes. I mean, it really took us, you know, from the midway point of the third quarter. I think North credit to them; they played a fantastic game on Saturday, and I think really took it to us. They they had absolutely nothing to lose, and I think they sort of went went in there with that sort of mentality whereas i'm not saying that we went in there without you know lowering our expectations a little bit but i think it did only take that halfway through the third quarter where they kicked the first four scores after half time and sort of bring it back to within six points and then you know i think we missed three two three points in a row and then we just go bang six in a row and then game over so it, it starts off at a you know six eight point lead and then balloons out to 47 and still that you know Credit to them, they 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 made us earn it yesterday. They certainly did. They certainly did. I, don't, I still don't know if we've answered your question. <laughs> I don't, I don't, There's no right yeah. or wrong answer. Time will tell. <laughs> no, in, no in, look, in, yeah. in, in nine out, in nine out, if the grand final's played and it's nine out of ten weeks, we're going to win it. it uh, it's it's you can be pessimistic. You can have the old Melbourne. They're gonna, nine out of ten times they play that grand final. Whoever Melbourne play, they probably should win it. Yeah. Barring injuries, barring you know your off day, barring a Mason Cox standing up at a preliminary final, that's that's you know that's how that's how it's going to be. So anyway, we'll hang in with it three or four months, and we'll see how it rolls. Absolutely, no, love it. All right, Simon. Well, thanks so much for joining us, and thanks no for worries, your contributions to uh, yeah over over the journey. And yeah, no doubt we'll uh, look forward to hearing from you soon. No worries, go Jays. All right, cheers, you know, we're, we're pleased with where we sit. We understand there's going to be some hype around how we're playing, but we also want to just take it, you know, one week at a time. And, and coaches say that a lot, and, and people, and it's just the reality. You can't look too far ahead. It's time. It's one week at a time. My favourite segment. It's Sunday. It's uh, Frio's just played, which is our matchup coming up on Saturday afternoon at the MCG, which we. Interesting game, um, especially if it's wet, because Frio have been a little bit down in the wet, you know, losing the Gold Coast and Collingwood. Um, probably didn't expect to lose both of these. You know, obviously the Collingwood won at home. They got completely outworked. Uh, Collingwood just put some speed on the ball, which is probably going to be an asset where we need to be wary of. Uh, Frio, very defensive, as we are as well, but I think probably the attacking side is much better in our favour. I think the midfield battle isn't, Always the interesting one. It's you know whether we can get on top in the in the clearance battle in the territory game, especially if it's wet. Yeah, I think just adjusting to whatever you know whatever comes their way. I think Freo have had some you know some obviously some great form only losing the three games this year. I think we do get the job done just purely based on the home home advantage. I think Freo will challenge. Now they have beaten us at the G in recent times too, which you know that 
uh, I think it was McCarthy back, you know, four or five years ago. We kicked the goal really late to beat us. It's, you know, I think we owe 301 here. And I think, yeah, it's going to be a top of the table clash. It'll be interesting to see how our game plan and their game plan stack up. Obviously, very defensive minded. What's sort of your predictions? Yeah, I think the result tonight certainly it stumped me in, in terms of like I didn't get to see any of the game, but to, to see Collingwood knock them off, and I think yeah, it's uh, they'll be they'll be really looking to make a statement. I think to sort of get back to their best, and I think the midfield as well too. Like they've got some really quality young midfielders in there. I mean, talking about it's the Brayshaw Cup. We got Andy <laughs> Brayshaw who's just playing some really really amazing footy. You know, such a such a talent at his young age. You know, bringing across Will, Will Will Brody as well too. I think who's flourishing under their system over there. Did David he, Mundy. Did he, left, did he le- ever lift off at Gold Coast? <laughs> <laughs> Couldn't get a game. Uh, <laughs> um, I, I reckon Dave. Will Brody. Will Brody's one. He's had he had thirty six tonight. So yeah. he's he's one that's I reckon probably the recruit of the year. I reckon he's been outstanding for Frio. So potentially he could be. You know, he could be running with Clay Oliver's and your Petrarchas, which you know would be really interesting. They're a great surprise packet again for this season. You talk about teams that sort of are up there with Carlton and Freo, Brisbane, you sort of knew were going to be up and around the mark, but to have them sort of be so consistent at this point, you sort of know after the first five, six games, you're not sure how how far you can really measure using that stick. But yeah, to get halfway through the season and they're sitting where they are, yeah, it's going to be a real test for Melbourne. And I think... Yeah, this is really going to be where Melbourne might have only just needed 15, 20, a quarter and a half to kind of really put put on the pressure and blow a game out to do it all. This will be, yeah, we're coming up against probably our biggest test probably since St Kilda. Yeah, we, we're really going to need to be on our best game. And Could you see potentially an Oscar Baker roll through? I think that, that could be one. I mean, I haven't checked his form in the VFL, but... You know, if Salem's not ready to come back, which I think it'd be good to get him some minutes through the VFL first. So I think someone like an Oscar Baker could roll through the wings. He's someone that, you know, he's, he's been a pretty solid VFL contributor. So I think it'd be good to give him a chance. Brayshaw, put him to the wing, find somebody else to plug up the back there, fill Brayshaw's spot. Austin Wanamuri, you think about, like, we think Cassia Mine back 14 years ago, round seven, 2008. D's are 51 points down in the third quarter against Fremantle at the G. <laughs> On comes the heroics, mate. That's who we need in there. Not to say that we're going to be down by 51 points, but yeah, Aussie. That's not a winner. That's a small board. We're we going to put Cozzy on the wing. No, but that's what I'm saying. Just, just move the magnets. Isn't that what you just, say? Just, just, move, just oh. change, move the magnets. I like that. Yeah, <laughs> move the magnets. Make changes. Get Aussie back. Get Aussie back. It's going to be well, indigenous well, round. It's, I mean, you know, it's geez, perfect. We might as well have Liam Jarrah back as well. <laughs> no, next? but the, Aaron Davey. The moment that I'm talking about right now against yes, Fremantle at the G, it's yes. perfect. Yeah, so, yeah, Aussie for like <laughs> Probably me giving you a prediction. I can ask for about 20, I think, three to four goal mark. No, I think I think you're spot on there. D's by, yeah, roughly around the 20 mark. And at this stage, it's looking like it's going to rain on the Saturday. So I know we're seven days out or six days out. But, yeah, let's, uh, let's pray for rain and see what happens. Simo, well, that does it for another week. 10 and O pod, episode 53, done and dusted in the books. 
really exciting today to be able to chat to some of our listeners, including Jody, our sponsor from Hop End Brewing as well too. But big thanks to Justin and Simon for jumping on. It was great to hear their insights. And yeah, nice to hear a couple of loyal listeners. Thanks so much for those guys for jumping on as well too. Simo, thank you again, mate. It's been another good week and it's weird. Like last week we recorded and then two days later, I completely lost my voice and had laryngitis and couldn't speak for pretty much the best part of three days and it's kind of just rolled in perfectly that we could kind of still go around and I thought it'd be uh, no good for this weekend. So that's kind of been a bit of a blessing. Well, blessing for me. I don't know what what other people think, but (laughs) uh, we, we both work in a profession that your your voices your tools so yeah. just quickly can you give us a bit of an update footy on the weekend how'd you go so last <laughs> week you guys wouldn't have known but we got dropped i got dropped from the senior side oh, just no. to go back just to go back just rediscover some form plus have a bit of a position change so i was playing up forward then yeah moved moved down back and through the midfield um had a pretty good game in the twos which got me back into ones this week but then yesterday was a pretty Pretty bad day for us. We uh, we ended up kicking nine goals, 21 to 21-3. Um, the other side just couldn't miss, which is unheard of at local footy. But, yeah, so the bottom side was very disappointing, and hopefully we can turn it around. Fantastic. Well, a little shameless plug before we go. Uh, thanks to everybody who's given me all their support and uh, a few donations and stuff. We're up to the last, well, pretty much almost the last week of May. I've been doing the 50K in May fundraiser for MS Australia. So almost, I think, I clicked over to I've got 40 kilometres. Couldn't do anything this week given I was crook. And so I've got 10 kilometres to go over the next, what, eight days left. So pretty confident I'm going to be able to do that. Would have loved to probably tick over a few more, but pretty pretty amazed and pretty grateful to have people donate and sort of accrued now to $1,908 so far and a fair few uh, members of the podcast family have, have jumped on board there. So thank you so much for those people. I'll I'll chuck the link in there for anyone that would love to sort of sh- share a dollar or even just your words of support, it, you know, means a lot. So uh, thanks to everybody so far. And yeah, looking forward to sort of finishing that off, which would be a nice little achievement there. Uh, before we go, what big thanks to our sponsors in Hop End Brewing and Valley Electrical Group. Make sure you rate, subscribe and review our podcast. You can find them on all your favorite podcast platforms. Hopefully, we're talking an 11-0 pod after a big game against Frio on Saturday afternoon, your favourite time slot, 4.35 at the G. Is it 4.35? Did I get that right? 4.30? Yeah, something like that. Oh, speaking of time slots, quickly before we go, thank fuck, grand final, staying at uh, staying mid-afternoon, 2.30. Let's hope it there. It's, uh, yeah, common sense has prevailed. People have spoken, so twilight would have been awful. So, thank you, AFL. Uh, Gills, obviously, it's his parting gift as he uh, vacates his uh, position. So, yeah, thanks for that. <laughs> but most importantly, go the D's. Go the D's.